Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of Power Lines. It's part number three of the series entitled Power Points. And now, here is Pastor John. So we're in the middle of a series called Power Points. PowerPoints, and we're discussing uh, the desperate need of the church today to operate in spiritual power. We have too many dead churches in America. And more specifically, we're talking about how to be a spiritually powerful church full of spiritually powerful people. Not in a way that builds ourselves up or glorifies us, but in a way that simply does what God commanded us to do and, uh, and, and, and what he said we can do. So in the, in the, this is from the, the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 17. This is the last conversation Jesus had with the disciples before he left this earth, well, right before he was arrested and crucified. And, and so this is important stuff. And the stuff that he talked about really were, were making two points. One, he was making sure they knew, I'm about to leave the earth. And secondly, I am, I am not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to give you the power that you need to do what I'm calling you to do, thus the name Power Points. So in the first message called Power Plants, we talked about how to produce spiritual fruit. And that if we're planning to do that, then we have to remain connected to Jesus as the true vine. And that's in John 15. Uh, we do that by being rooted in the soil of, of belief. We do that by flowing with the water of love for God and by being activated by the sunlight of obedience. And last week we found out that Jesus left us a source of power, uh, but the problem is too often we are disconnected from that power source. And that power source is the Holy Spirit to give us the power that we need to be people of spiritual power on this earth. So the more we surrender ourselves to the, to the work of the Spirit in our lives, then the more we walk in spiritual power. Now today I want to, uh, I want to talk about how we transmit that power. How is that spiritual power demonstrated in our lives? How will we know that we're operating in spiritual power? So we're going to talk about how to transmit that. So I know a thing or two about transmitting power. Now, as many of you know, if you've been here a while, you know I grew up in Clem. That's in South Carroll County. Uh, it's between Carrollton and Whitesburg. It's also, Clem is also close to another little community called Lowell. Lowell. So it's about 45 years ago or so, Georgia Power built a, uh, an electrical generating plant in, called Plant Wansley down in Lowell. It's an area that, they, that the locals call yellow dirt. You'll, hear them, you'll still hear them call it that. So they built this huge electrical generating plant down there to produce hundreds of megawatts of power. But it would not have made one bit of difference in the lives of the people of this community had they not figured out how to transmit the power from where it was being generated to where it was being needed. They had to figure out how to get the power from the source to the need. 
And so they built this huge, these huge transmission lines the, from the power plant to the substations to the power lines and eventually to the thousands of homes and businesses uh, all around this community that needed the power. And I know this because I grew up under those power lines. 500,000 volts of electricity coursing through those power lines right over the property where I grew up. And they had these huge metal towers that, that, that these lines were strung between. I'm going to show you a picture of them. Now, these are not my power lines. I grew up between uh, Tower 27 and Tower 28. This is not them. But it looked just like these big old, I mean, they look like transformers standing there. So when, when the humidity was high, and we live in Georgia, so like when is the humidity not high? When the humidity was high, um, they buzzed and cracked and popped and made all kinds of crazy noises. We always loved to watch people visit us for the first time because they'd always get out of the car and they'd stop. And they'd look around, and some of them would even put their hands out to try to feel if it's raining. If you were in the house in, early in the morning, you, you often would think it was, it was raining outside. And you'd prepare to go out and be, and be rained on, and those stars were out. It was just those power lines popping and cracking and, and, and hollering. They were, they were that loud. I played baseball and football under those power lines. I, I rode my bike under those power lines. We had a guy go down from the, from the church about 10 or 15 years ago and do some work for my mom when she was still alive. And, and, uh, he, and he spent a few days down there, and he came back. He told me, he said, John, I know what's wrong with you. This explains so much about you that you grew up under these power lines. I've been waiting on my superpower because I figure I've got to have something going, some, something good had to come out of growing up under those 500 kV lines, but hasn't popped up yet. Now my sister gave my dad, one of my sisters, I got like a million, um, one of my sisters gave my daddy a, um, a 1973 Ford pickup truck. Now if you know anything about pickup trucks, this was a real metal truck. It was essentially a tank. It was a tank. And, and, and being good redneck men, you know what good redneck men do when they talk. One gets on one side of the bed of the truck and the other gets on the other side of the bed of the truck and we prop our arms and we talk about, you know, deep and meaningful things. Well, if you, if you were slow putting your arms down on the, on the bed of the truck, you'd get zapped. The, the, it would arc from the truck to your arm and would pop you. So we learned to, we learned to put our arms up there pretty quick. All right. So it, it, it was a little bit it was a little bit crazy. The power in the lines were being transmitted from the source, which was Plant Wansley, to the destination to serve a particular purpose. But the atmosphere was so charged around those power lines that we felt the effects and we were reminded not only of the power that was going through the lines, but the source of that power. We knew clearly that not only were they powerful, but there was, a, there was a source somewhere more powerful that was generating all that power. So today's message is called Power Lines. Power Lines. And I just want you to know that Jesus told us the Holy Spirit is our power source. And as the third member of the Godhead, he has all power. He is omnipotent. But his omnipotence won't do the world any good if there's no way to get the power from where it is to where it's needed. 
And specifically, that's a world that's lost and dying and dry and hungry and thirsty and broken. So let me be clear today. It is God's will for us to transmit the power of the Holy Spirit in such a way that not only does it arrive at its destination and serve the purpose it was sent for, but it also affects the atmosphere around us while we do it so that other people are pointed to the source of that power. Isn't that what Jesus said? So that people will see our good works and glorify the Father. So today I want us to talk about power lines. So before we dive in, we need to talk just a second about authority and permission. Now listen, some of this might be a little, um, a little bit of a stretch for you. So I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I want to make sure that you understand that what I'm saying is, is coming from the Word of God. Is it okay to read the Bible in church still? Okay. So that's what we're going to do. A lot of people say, well, listen, I, I believe God's got all power and he'll just do it however he wants to do it. And, and I, I just, I don't think it's my place to act on his behalf. Well, let's look and see what the word says. So we're, you're already in John. So John 14 and verse 26, let's look at what he says. Jesus said, when my, when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. Now, this is just one example. There were four other, uh, three other times, so a total of four in these chapters where Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit by a very specific name. He's called, he calls him the advocate, the advocate. The word that Jesus used was a Greek word called paraclete, and, and it means legal counsel. That's why some translations uh, will show it to you as counselor. I'm going to leave a comforter or a counselor. And, and, and it's not a, he's not a counselor in the sense that you lay on a spiritual couch and talk about your spiritual feelings. He's a counselor in the sense that he is legal counsel on behalf of God. So Jesus meant the Holy Spirit would be God's legal representative on the earth. In that moment, Jesus was, but he said, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to leave another legal authority on this earth. I'm sending my advocate in my place. He, he's, and he said, he's just like me. He's, he said, another advocate. He's just like me. And he's going to represent my interests here on the earth. All right, so here's another really important verse from John chapter 14. In verse 17, he said, he is the Holy Spirit. He, in 16, he said, the advocate. He said, he's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because they aren't looking for him and don't recognize him. But pay attention to this. But you know him because he lives with you. That was Jesus. And later will be in you. So not only is, God, is the Holy Spirit God's legal representative on the earth, his office is in you. Amen. His office is in you. He is inside of you. The source of power is living and residing inside of you. You say, well, that, that's, that's uh, weird. What am I supposed to do with that? Well, here's what you're supposed to do with that. In, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, verse 21, he said, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil. And King James calls it a vessel. You'll be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. You'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. 
We are supposed to be God. We are supposed to be used by God's Spirit to accomplish His purposes. Now, let me show it to you more specifically. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul said, Now we have this light shining in our hearts. What light? The light of the gospel, the light of Jesus shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. Again, vessels. Fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are created to transmit the power of the Holy Spirit from where he lives inside of us to wherever God needs it on this earth. We are the power lines of the Holy Spirit. We are conductors of his presence and his power. We are how God gets his knowledge and his wisdom and his miracles and more importantly, his message of salvation to the people who need to hear it. It's us. It's us. We are the power lines. We're the power lines. So what are the ways that we conduct his power? Where is he sending the power? What's it going to be used for? Because some of the power from Plant Wansley goes to homes and some of it goes to manufacturing and some of it goes to hospitals and the list just goes on and on. A lot of different ways the power is used. So where does God want us to send his power? There's four things in these, in these four chapters that I want to show you, four ways that we use the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's the first one, power for love and sacrifice. Power for love and sacrifice. It's in John 15, 7 through 14. I want to show it to you. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask, any, ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me, so remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will, be, will overflow. And this is my commandment. Love one another. Love one another. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. Jesus said, I am giving you spiritual power. That's what he said. You can ask what you, what you want and it'll be done. I'm giving you spiritual power. Now here's what I want you to do with it. Love one another. He's giving us his unlimited spiritual power through our connection to the power source, the Holy Spirit. And he said, the best way for you to express it is to love each other to the point that you would lay down your life for them. When you allow yourself to be a conduit of his love, the Holy Spirit can help you love people sacrificially. He can help you serve people the way Jesus did. He can help you give to people the way Jesus did. He can help you want what's best for his people. He will give you the power to pray for those who hate you and do good for those who mistreat you intentionally. You say, John, that's crazy. Who in the world wants to, do, wants to treat, wants to bless people who do, do things on purpose to offend you? Uh, nobody wants to. Jesus said you have to if you're going to be his follower. You're like, well, I'm, I don't know if I can do that. No, you can't do that. But he can through you if you'll let him. 
You say, well, John, I don't understand. How does that, how, how does that help the kingdom? Do you know how many people have come to know Jesus through the ages because people have demonstrated his love? Amen. It's his love. In a world full of hatred, love stands out. In a, in a world full of selfishness and busyness, sacrifice and service stands out. It's not so much the words of Jesus that stand out, it's the love of Jesus that people were attracted to. People were drawn to him first. They were drawn to his love, his acceptance. They were drawn to that. And then they listened to what he said and it confirmed what they already suspected. That's why you can't separate love and truth. They sensed the love of Jesus and they were drawn to the truth. So that's why I said, listen, here's my, here's my power. Here's, here's my strength. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit as your source. So here's my commandment. Go love each other. Because it's simple to say, it's just hard to do. But it's so powerful that he gives us his power and his authority to accomplish it. And there is no other way. There is no other way besides love. So we have to have every believer transmitting the love of God to a broken world. Here's a second way that we transmit his love. Power for testimony. Power for testimony. The Holy Spirit gives us power to testify. In John 15, verses 26 and 27, he said, I'll send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he'll come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. He said, well, that says he's going to testify. I'm not finished reading. And you must also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and he's going to give you the power to testify about me. And then he confirmed it again in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the most, maybe most famous Holy Spirit uh, scripture, at least in a Pentecostal church. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to do what? You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. That's the power to testify in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and the ends of the earth. He said, you guys have got to tell people what you know about me, what you know about me. So it'll be a testimony of knowledge because the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to truth and reminds us of it. But it's also a testimony of experience. Remember, he said, he said, you guys have got to do this because you've been with me from the beginning. So it, you, you, can, you can say, this is not just what I believe or, or what I think. This is what I know based on what I've been through and based on what I've seen. It's indisputable on a personal level. You, you might disagree with me about what I think or what I believe, but you can't deny what I've been through. You can't deny what I've experienced for myself. And your lack of belief will never change my mind about what I know because I was there. And remember from last week, the Holy Spirit gives us the, he, he brings the power of conviction. So when you open your mouth to share your testimony, he will cause the words to have an effect that you can't generate in human power. He, he'll cause the words to, to, to come alive in somebody's heart. I've seen this over and over again in, in, in my life and in other people's lives. I've, I've watched cold hearts melt when the right person 
was obedient in the right moment. See, in human power, you can manipulate and you can motivate or you can inspire or you can persuade, but it takes the Holy Spirit to convict and convince and convert. You can't do that by yourself. So it takes the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our heart. It takes the Holy Spirit to open our spiritual ears and to draw somebody to him. So we have got to figure out how to get our stories told. We have to tell our stories. Now, we used to have testimony services and people messed all those up because they said crazy stuff, right? Stuff that was not testifying of the Lord. All right. So some people were more convinced of the power of the devil and they testified more about that than they did about the power of God to deliver them. And people just like, or it was gossip or it was a prayer request or whatever. So people quit doing that. But we still have to tell our stories. Bree said it this morning. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies. So some of us are struggling and other people are struggling because we're not sharing our testimonies. So this is not hypothetical. I'm like totally for real. I am looking for people who will sit down with me and have a conversation about what God's done in your life. We're going to record it and we'll put it out on a podcast. There's no oxygen in this room anymore. All got sucked right on out of the room. Would you rather stand on a platform with a microphone like Philip did? Much easier to just have a conversation. Let us record it. We'll edit it down. You say something stupid. That you, oh, don't, don't put that. We'll, we'll make sure everything's good. But we have to share our stories. We have to. How else will people know? How else are people going to know what God did for you. How else is someone who's struggling, and we've, we talked about this Wednesday night, we talked about this morning with Dee, how, how else are people supposed to know he was struggling and needed a word of encouragement? Did you see there's like 25 people? Did you see that, Dee? 25 people like, yeah, I've been there. I, I mean, I felt the exact same way, but God came through. He needed to hear that this morning. But it took the pastor knowing all the, connecting all the dots to make it happen. It shouldn't take me to do that. We should be comfortable enough sharing our stories that one of you should say, hey, D, you struggling because you're a young father? Man, this person over here can, can go, go ask him. Go tell him that and let him encourage you. We've got to start networking our stories, our testimonies. So if you're willing to have a 10-minute conversation or 15 or whatever, some of y'all talk a long time, so like 30 minutes, whatever. Um, that's why we edit. <clears throat> anyway, if you're willing to have a quick conversation, then sign up on the connection card or send me an email or a text message or, or whatever. Don't just tell me after church because I'll forget it before lunch. Write it down somewhere and send it to me and we'll get it scheduled. But listen, you don't have to wait on me. It doesn't have to be this. You can do this on your own. In everyday conversation, as subjects come up that you've been through and God's come through for you, don't be afraid to share your story. It's the most powerful way to communicate the truth. If, you've re if you read the, the entire book of Acts at least three times that I can remember, the Apostle Paul shared his story of his conversion. It's listed in the Bible three times. Why? Because Paul shared it 
everywhere. Why would he do that? Because it's indisputable. It's powerful. And when you, and when you combine that with your change of life, when, it, when it's clear that you've done a 180 or that a certain circumstance has had a complete turnaround in your life, then it's just self-evident. So tell your story. A spirit-empowered testimony will change lives and give hope to people. Now, these last two that we need to talk about are the obvious ones. They're the ones that keep popping up throughout the series. So the Holy Spirit gives us power for prayer. Power for prayer. John 14, John 14, uh, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said this. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Now, that would have been cruel to say that and then stop talking. He said, you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so the Son can bring glory to the Father. And just, just in case the, 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 the disciples were struggling to comprehend what he said, he said, yeah, you can ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Jesus said we would have power for prayer through the Holy Spirit. We'd be able to ask anything in His name, and we should fully expect it to be done. You say, so hang on, John, how can He promise that? How in the world is like giving people a blank check? Wouldn't He be obligating Himself to do what the prosperity preachers say, and you can just whatever you want, however you want it, whenever you want it, you can just have whatever you want if you have faith? Two things to keep in, in mind here. First of all, remember the first message that's also part of this conversation Jesus was talking to people he expected to abide in him, to stay connected to him. And how do they do that? Believing, loving, and obeying him. People who are living that way are not the people who are going to be looking to fulfill their lusts, but try to use their faith to make God give them what they want. That's not how this works. These are people, Jesus was talking to people who would be trying to please him. And secondly, he says, you can ask anything in my name. That means in keeping with the character and nature and the will of God. So no, he's not obligating himself to provide a Rolls Royce or, or, a, or a jet to anybody who wants one. Okay? He is, he's obligating himself to provide for people who are looking to accomplish his kingdom purposes in, in keeping with who he is and what he's trying to do. So you say, but John, listen, why are we even spending time talking about prayer? Because this is like the, the clearest command of scripture. Everybody prays. All churches pray. So, you know, Christian people pray all the time. So how is this different? Well, I think I can answer that with one quick question. If I can answer your question with a question. Have you ever been prayed for by somebody who actually believed they were going to get an answer? Not the person who says, oh, I'll pray for you. Not the person who's that may be the, the biggest Christian lie in the world. Right? I'm going to pray for you and then we don't for whatever reason. Or I'm going to put you on the prayer list. I'm talking about prayed for by a person who actually believes God is hearing them and will answer them. If you've ever been prayed for by that kind of person, then you know there's a difference. There's a difference. Prayer's not about the word. It's not, just, it's not just the words. It's not an incantation. This is not witchcraft. There's no magic formula. 
How many times do we pray prayers with only our words? We never engage our faith to believe that God is going to do what we're asking Him for. Everybody still all right? It's an important question. Because if we're supposed to be praying and spending our time praying and we're not doing it right, then we're wasting our time and frustrating ourselves spiritually. How many times do we pray and we never even think about what we believe, what the Bible has promised us? How many times do we pray and we never allow our love for God and our love for others to overflow into our prayers? How many times are we praying because we love somebody and we want to see God do something miraculous, do something important in their lives, but not because they frustrate us, but because we love them? That's different. It's one of the main reasons why we don't see our prayers answered. Most of the time we don't expect them to be. We're fulfilling the obligation to say the words that we told somebody we would say, but we're not attaching our faith. We're not attaching our belief, the Word of God. We're not, we're not allowing the Spirit to pray in us and through us. You see the difference? Maybe I'm just talking to myself this morning. Maybe that's the reason my prayers don't always get answered the way I think they should. We have got to pray Spirit-empowered, Word-infused prayers. Look at this in the Word. Romans 8, 26. Now, Romans 8, 28 is famous. Everybody loves that. Let's back up to Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. I love how Paul just makes a statement there. He just said, listen, y'all don't know what to pray for. So quit acting like you know what you're supposed to pray for. Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for. But here we go, the middle of the verse, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. I told you it's not about the words. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit's saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. What's God's will? Well, it's right here. He told us what His will is. He told us where our authority is. So the Holy Spirit will remind us of the truth of God's Word, and He will pray through us as well as we submit our hearts to Him. So that's, that's praying in the Spirit, praying in your prayer language. It's also praying in, co- in coordination with the Word of God. That's what that means. And so what's the result of that? And we know that God causes everything to work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. When we pray with the Spirit or in the Spirit, He prays the will of God through us as open vessels, and God works out everything for our good. It's amazing how many times God connects uh, the, the Holy Spirit and prayer. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Again, this is one of those verses that we, we pick and choose, and we read one, we don't read the other. This is after the, the, uh, the, the great armor of God thing in, uh, in, in Ephesians 6. And we usually stop at, at 17. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We, we stop in 17. Verse 18 says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in all your prayers for all believers everywhere. You see how the, the Holy Spirit is connected to prayer? One more place. Jude, the 20th verse of Jude. There's only one chapter. He said, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are connected 
to Jesus through our power source, the Holy Spirit. And he gives us the power to transmit his spiritual power through our prayers. What would happen if we got serious about praying this way? What would happen if we got serious about praying the way the Spirit leads us? What would happen if we started seeing our prayers answered? What's going to happen when the, when the word gets out about Philip's healing or about the other people who have been healed or the other miraculous things that are going on in people's lives? It's not always about healing. There are other miraculous interventions of God. What happens when that gets out? Can you imagine the sparks that would fly in our communities and in our families when we start seeing God answering prayer? The residual effect on those around us as we transmit God's power through our prayers. I dare say it would be one of the sparks of the revival that we so desperately need in this community. So here's my question. Why don't we give it a shot? Why not give it a shot? Let's allow the Spirit to give us power in prayer. And here's the last thing. He gives us power for proclamation. Y'all, did y'all wear your elastic today? You, you, are you stretchy? Can I stretch you a second? No? Can I stretch you for a second as long as it's in the Word? Do you realize that much of what Jesus accomplished on this earth wasn't the result of a prayer so much as it was a proclamation? It's not that He didn't pray because He prayed way more than any of us do and, and we need to pray, so I'm not saying that at all. We just spent some time talking about the power that He gives us in prayer. But when it came to doing the work that He did on this earth, the healings, the miracles, the deliverance from demons, most of the time He didn't pray, He declared or proclaimed or commanded in that moment. Let me show you some examples. John chapter 5 Jesus saw him and he knew he'd been ill for a long time and he said, would you like to get well? And the guy said, I can't because I don't have anybody to put me in the water when the pool bubbles up. And he said, uh, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly the man was healed. Let me show you again. John chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread it over the man, the blind man's eyes. Aren't you glad we got carpet? <laughs> anyway, um, verse 7, we can import some dirt from outside if we need to. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Look at Mark chapter 5. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. Now we'll jump to verse 6. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. In every case that we just read, and many, 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 many more in the Gospels, Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit, proclaimed their healing, proclaimed their deliverance. Even what could be considered the greatest of all miracles, the raising of the dead, 
It was done by proclamation. Look at John chapter 11. This is the raising of Lazarus. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you'd see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled aside the stone. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, hands and feet bound in grave clothes, face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. You say, nope, he prayed right there, John. Yeah, but did you, did you hear the prayer? It was a prayer of thanksgiving. It was a prayer of gratitude. God, thank you for what you're about to do. The miracle was by proclamation. Look at what Jesus told the disciples. Again, famous passage of Scripture. We just don't slow down long enough to hear what it's saying. Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. The next morning they were leaving the little village of Bethany. Jesus was hungry, noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. There were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him. Now, jump to verse 20, because this is the next morning. They passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, and the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, be, you, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. So there's a distinction between speaking and praying. And if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. He said, speak to the mountain, not pray about it. He said, but he, he said we could pray and receive it. Yes, he did. But he, he spoke to the fig tree and cursed it. He didn't pray about it. And that's what he was explaining to them as they were questioning him. So, John, how do you know the difference between what you're supposed to pray about and what you're supposed to proclaim? Listen, as with everything, this is not about rules and regulations. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. So, in general, though, if God has already given you authority in that area, you can proclaim God's will and God's truth over it. Here's what I mean. There have been many times in my home when, when things just get unpleasant. There's just strife. There's just, the kids are just, y'all kids don't do that, do you? Just all the time. And it just gets ridiculous. And, and so you, sometimes you have to take authority in your house. And so if you're, if you're the husband, the Bible says you are the spiritual authority in your house. If you're single or if you're the only uh, saved adult in that house, you have the spiritual authority. So you don't have to pray about it. You take authority over the spirit that's causing the strife in your house. You say, how will I know? You'll know. You'll know. All right? I have many times there Crisco above the doors of my house as I anoint it with oil and do whatever it takes to get free in my house because it's ridiculous sometimes. But it's your house. You have authority there, so you take that authority. Don't go to your closet and pray about it. Get up and do something about it. All right? 
Now, there have been times when Valerie and I would start to get a little sideways about something. I mean, 28 years next month, just like once or twice. We've had a couple little things, you know. And, and, and y'all know what I mean. You have that moment or two that you can do something about it when you realize this train is not bound for glory. Like, where we're headed is not going to be good. Um, and usually what Valerie does is just stretch forth her hand towards me and go, devil? No, not really. She doesn't really. She probably should have come. Anyway, uh, for real, I have, you know, you have that moment where you like, am I going to say what I really want to say? Or am I going to do what God wants me to do? Y'all had that moment in your life? Uh, most of us go running straight through the stop sign. And, and you know, you reap the results of that. There, are, there have been those moments, though, when, when I have had the, the strength in that moment to walk away and I will, I will go somewhere by myself and I will declare my wife is not my enemy and I am not her enemy, but we do have a common enemy and that's the devil. You know, don't forget Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't have any human enemies. So no matter how bad it's gotten at your house, your spouse is not your enemy. They are not even the problem. So you have to identify the problem. And so I will just declare, she's not my problem. I'm not her problem, but we got a problem and we're going to deal with the problem right now. So spirit of strife or division or pride or whatever it is, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I declare you have no authority to operate in my house or in me or in my relationship with my wife. I repent for allowing that to rise up in here in the first place, but I declare it has no place now. So Holy Spirit, would you fill me with peace? Would you fill me with love and understanding for my wife? Fill my home with peace in the name of Jesus. You see the difference in that? It's not a prayer. It's a declaration. It's taking authority in your house. It's a proclamation of God's dominion in an area that he's already given you authority in. So you say, John, I, I'm, I'm going to need to see that in the Word. Good, I'm glad. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And that doesn't say the words John and Valerie in the Word, but I just want to give you a show. Uh, this is Luke chapter 4. This is Jesus standing in the synagogue. And he's, you remember, he gets the scroll and he opens up. To, they hand him the scroll of Isaiah. He opens up. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So we all, we all know that. But notice what he says next. He has sent me um, to proclaim, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. What did Jesus say he came to do? Well, he said he was anointed for two reasons. There's a, there's a couple of little, verb, little verbals here, a couple of infinitive phrases here. After he said he was anointed, he said, I've been anointed to do what? To bring and to proclaim. He was anointed to bring the gospel to the poor. That's the message of salvation. But he said, I've also come to proclaim, to make proclamation that the captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, that, that Jubilee has come. And, and the whole series we've been talking about, Jesus telling us that we will do the same work that he did. And so that is also our mission. It's also our anointing. It's also our legacy 
to preach salvation and to proclaim deliverance and freedom and healing. That's why Jesus didn't pray about it. He already had the authority over that and the anointing for that. Okay? Y'all write that down. You can go home and look at it. Luke chapter 4. Here's here's one more scripture and we're almost done. Mark 16. Mark 16. Then Jesus told him, go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone. That's the, the, the Mark version of the Great Commission. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany to those who believe. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable by asking you how many believers are in the house. But just read what he says. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages, new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. That doesn't mean play with them. It shows you what that means in in the book of Acts. If they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll, They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they'll be healed. When the Lord had finished talking with them, he was taken up to heaven, sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus told them to go in the same authority, the same anointing that he had on this earth to do the same works he did. So don't let fear stop you. So many people are afraid to try to walk in the authority and in the anointing that God gives us because they're afraid it won't work and will look foolish. Well, let me ask you this. How's it working for you now? Like, what are you getting now? How would it get worse? And let me ask you this. What if you went all into your relationship with God and it did work? What if one person got delivered? What if one person got set free in your family? What if one person got healed? Wouldn't it be worth the risk? We have authority over ourselves. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we have to guard the gates. We have authority over ourselves. We have authority over our children that are living in our home. We have authority over our household as the head of the household, whoever that might be. And I try to walk in the authority that God's given me as the pastor of this church as I proclaim freedom and healing and deliverance and blessing over y'all on a regular basis. And the Bible shows us time and time and time again the results of people being healed and set free. And not only are there results in the lives that are changed, but just like the electricity in the air where I grew up, the people who see the radical transformation in these people's lives are also affected and also drawn to the power of God. Holy Spirit gives us the power of proclamation and it's one of the ways that we can transmit spiritual power to accomplish the kingdom work. Won't you stand with me? Listen, I know this sounds a little out there, but isn't it in the Bible? Isn't it here? Didn't I show you where it was? I did show y'all where it was, okay? There's many, many more um, scriptures that we can reference. I'm just simple enough to believe what the Word says. I'm just simple enough to believe that this is the foundation of our lives, that this is the authority uh, upon which our ministry is, um, is built. 
and that if we don't get the authority here, then we can't do it and we shouldn't do it. But if we do get the authority here, we have to do it. And, and I, just, I just have to believe what I see. And what I see is that we are not operating in the spirit, in the power that Jesus said we could have. And so I believe it, it is incumbent upon me as your pastor to declare the truth for you, to challenge you, to stretch you, to make you uncomfortable enough to get in the word for yourself and find out what he says. So I want to invite you to do that today. Would you, would you begin to pray in the power of the Spirit? Would you truly believe that He will answer you? Will you start to proclaim His truth over your life and over your family? Will you start testifying? Will you start loving people and serving people? This dying world needs a church that's alive. Your family needs a person who is alive and believes and operates according to the authority of Scripture. So let's be that today. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.